This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode number 50 of Bleeding Blue. Yes, we have made it to 50, and today we have a special, special guest on the co-host of Fade the Public Podcast. Nikki Snacks is here to talk all things fantasy football, New York football giants, and I guess just life in general. So for the 50th time, without further ado, let's bleed. What are we bleeding, Nikki? We're bleeding blue, baby. Amen. All right, welcome back. As you can clearly hear from the first thing before I even said my intro, we have joined a media network, and that media network is called the Big Heads Podcast Media Network. Um, David and I, we're going to be back next week, and we're going to talk about, we're going to have like next week, we're going to have like an update state of the podcast conversation. So, but yes, we've joined a media network. It's going to be really exciting. We're going to hopefully get some shirts going. I, Nikki, for ever since I've started this podcast, I said that I wanted to give something away in in, re, in return for five star ratings, and I never have. I'm a fucking liar. I, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a liar. Aren't we, aren't we all though? Aren't we yeah. all? I'm like, oh yeah, I'll give something away. I'll give something away if you leave a five star rating. People have left five star ratings. People have written reviews, and they've been awesome. And I've never given anything away. Um, but neither here nor there. We're going to have the means to do that now. And I actually promise that we're going to do that. So we're going to give all that updates. Um, but first, let's get rid of the housekeeping really quickly. Follow the Twitters. Follow everyone in the world on Twitter. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Bleeding Double Underscore Blue. Follow me on Twitter at jpenick 74 Follow us on Instagram at Bleed Blue Pod. Follow David on Twitter, who is not here, but he will be back. He is the favorite Bleeding Blue co-host because he is more positive than I am. Follow <laughs> David on Twitter at David Double Underscore Powis. I mentioned the Instagram. We are on episode 50. We made it. This is absolutely wow. crazy. This is wild. We've been doing this for a little bit over a year now. And the goal, and I'll tell you what, I, I don't really, I don't really have goals, you know, because I feel like when you set a goal in life, Nikki, there's something called a rival fallacy that when you arrive at that goal, and it's like, you know, what did we really achieve, right? So I'm kind of just going, we're going, we're going, and I don't really have a goal, but 50 episodes. We have now 53 five-star ratings in the Apple Podcast app. There are a lot of Giants podcasts who have been doing stuff for a long time, longer than we have, and they don't even have you know as many that we have. So that's a really big accomplishment. I'm really proud of that. We're on the road to 100. You guys are crushing it. Where can we find you? In the world, on Twitter, tell us about Fade the Public. Tell us a little bit about you. Who, who the hell are you? Well, who the hell am I? So I am just a ordinary Bergen County, New Jersey kid. You can find me on Twitter at snacks underscore BDGE. And the BDGE is actually my good friend growing up, uh, Nick Ercolano. He started um, Big Dogs Gotta Eat Fantasy Football. He probably started about four or five years ago, and he's, he's really taken off. And um, we started the Fade the Public podcast. Me and me, him and another, another friend were in the same 
Fantasy Football League, and this is actually, I know you're probably going to ask me it later. I'll just get into it now. It's um, this year 11. Wow. It's I, it's, I know. And it's um, me and, not, uh, what is it, nine other guys. We all grew up together, been friends our whole lives. We come from a small town, so everybody knows everybody. It's, it's like everybody knows when somebody farts or when somebody sneezes. It's really everybody knows everybody's business, but it's great. We've built a great, great chemistry over the years, and that's that's where we are. And fade the public. We we started it because uh, a lot of Nick's followers on BDGE wanted to get behind the scenes of our high stakes fantasy football league, and he's like. Well, what better way to do it than put it on, put it on YouTube, put it on Apple, you know, put it out everywhere. So if you go to YouTube and you type in BDGE, Fade the Public, BDGE, you can check out his videos. We're all there. Um, so we started with that. We gave behind the scenes of our league and it really just, just kept going from there. And each week we try a little something new and people seem to like it. People hate me. People hate Nick. People hate the other guy. It's people love us. It's just the way it is, you know, but if no one's hating you, I guess something's wrong. You know, it, you got to mm-hmm. build your voice somehow. So that's where we are. It's been, a, it's been a fun ride. Absolutely. Absolutely. So how long have you been doing the, the podcast for? We started in, uh, I want to say late November, early December of last year. So I was a little bit later in the football season. So you started last year and you guys almost got 20,000 subscribers on YouTube. Well, we, he, we came in with an, a little bit of an advantage because okay. of Nick's ch- because of Nick's channel already. Mm-hmm. So um, that's that's really that's that's where it went. But yeah, we're, it's going well. It's going well. People people seem to enjoy the show. And uh, I'm very grateful. And hopefully some of your listeners gravitate over and some of our listeners, whoever probably probably gonna be giant fans gravitate over towards you guys. So try and help out every which way. No, absolutely. Because really, I was shocked, you know. I, I I see the I see the YouTube numbers, and that's where I've primarily watched myself. I see the YouTube numbers, and I'm like, holy shit, you know, the, this is this is huge. And then I'm like on Twitter, and I'm like, why why don't these guys have thousands and thousands of followers? So we we gotta we gotta get the we gotta get the fade the public. We gotta get Nikki snacks on Twitter. We gotta, we gotta get your fo- we gotta go we gotta get man. The followers up. We gotta go. And during football season, listen, I'll be tweeting out fancy football stuff, but I am true blue New York Giants. That's mm-hmm. that's. My, it's my obsession. I tell my friends this all the time. I put it in the order just like this, of which I care about. New York Giants, family, breathing, in that order. And that <laughs> could not be from, from the truth. It is literally spot on. I mean, look at this. Daniel Jones shirt. I hated the pick. Couldn't stand it. Still hate it. But you know what? He's our guy. I need to represent. I need to believe. So here we are. Had to do it. All right, so before we get to like fantasy football, I want to. I'm a, first of all, I'm a first time fantasy football commissioner. I want to ask you some questions about whether it's punishments, whether it's draft party, whether it's like for just a you know formation of a league. And in terms, want to ask you about a super flex as well, and kind of get some of the the nuts and bolts of fantasy football before we start talking about actual players. But to start off, you're a Giants fan. You don't necessarily get the chance to talk as much about the Giants on the Fade the Public podcast as you would want to, I can imagine. I can imagine you fit in your you fit in your subtle blows or subtle takes here and there and you as get shut down for it, right? All, all the time. <laughs> if you go on YouTube and read some of the comments, it's like, can he please shut the fuck up about the Giants? Nobody cares. <laughs> so I have told myself I am not going to talk about them as much. I'm still yeah. going to talk about them. So what we so what we've been trying to do at Bleeding Blue, we've been trying to do a different, a few different things this off season, and it hasn't necessarily been 
taking this week's headlines and then talking about them. We did that for one episode after the Pat Shermer comments where he basically kind of hinted at a quarterback competition. But a lot of the conversations that we've had, and I kind of like doing this, they're very macro conversations. And I feel like that, you know, there's stuff that, there are a lot of research needs to go into a decent amount of prep on my end needs to go into it. David and whoever is recording with me, they're awesome. So they can just show up and they can, and they can just run the show with me. But I kind of want to, this is going to be kind of like the first opportunity. I want to give you your platform to give your takes on the season. And also, you know, I'll, I'll respond. Cause I don't think I've publicly, at least on the podcast, maybe on Twitter, I've mentioned here and there, but you know, kind of like my thoughts and like how many games I think the Giants are going to win this season. I don't even know if I've mentioned that yet. So we'll kind of, I'll kind of open the floor to you. You mentioned you don't like Daniel Jones pick necessarily. And we talked a lot about value. We talked about, you know, the value that you're going to get out of Daniel Jones at the sixth pick. That's definitely a question, right? Big and time. I think that's, I think that's kind of like the more sophisticated way of saying, instead of just like, oh, I don't like the pick and the guy's going to be shit. I think there's a bit more of a, uh, a nicer, not a nicer, but a more clean way of saying that that makes sense rather than just being a quote unquote hater. So I want to kind of give you your platform of, you know, what are your thoughts? The What are your thoughts of the New York football giants in 2019? What are they going to do? The stage is yours. I'm going to take, take my Homer bias out of it because no one wants to, you know, if whatever the case is, I think they're going to surprise a lot of people. And I know I've seen that around on twitter a few times you know you guys have, have mentioned it too but i their offensive line is vastly improved vastly like night and day better at least on paper it's still they have to gel and obviously offensive line chemistry is massive because if it's not you know if it's not there it's it's never going to work and obviously everybody has to stay healthy um i really think what i can see them doing is reverting to what the cowboys did a few years ago when they were 13 mm. and 3 and very successful and that is they're going to pound the, the running game. Just pound Saquon into the ground. They drafted him number two for a reason. Now, he's amazing. I, I, I have my trepidations about that pick, too. But he's here. I love him. Um, they're going to keep that defense off the field because I don't really see how they're going to get much of a pass rush, which is beyond concerning. They obviously let Vernon go, who I hated. I'm so glad he's gone. I can't stand him. Couldn't stay healthy. They're going to hope for a big jump from Lorenzo Carter, and I think he can be. You know, I think he can do it. I think he's got the potential, hopefully beefed up a little bit. Um, but the, the pass rush is a concern. The linebacking core is a concern for me. I think they're going to have a very, very good secondary. I think DeAndre Baker was a phenomenal pick. I'm so happy they traded from that from where they were in the second round to go get him late first. I truly think like he can be a, sh a lockdown corner in the future and just step in right away this year and be good. Julian Love in the fourth round was a good pick. Um, Buffet was a nice signing, you know, losing Collins, but you kind of got the same player in Peppers. You know what I mean? Like they're not going to, they're not going to kill anybody in coverage. Um, so I like their secondary. Don't like the front seven, not loving it. Their, their D tackles are fantastic. They're going to be great up the middle. I know that, but and then you get to the quarterback, and that's where we all kind of smirk and just really, uh, mm -hmm. uh, it's gonna. I want nothing more than for Eli to come out motivated after the Giants took a quarterback sixth. Right. You know, maybe he reverts back a little bit in time with some extra pass protection, but losing Odell hurts. I think 
I think Shepard and Tate are very good receivers, but nobody's Odell Beckham. Overall, though, I, I, I like the direction they're going. We need, we need Jones to be good, though. We need him to be good because they have pieces. They have young pieces. Barkley, Hernandez, Carter, Lawrence, B.J. Hill. They got these guys, and they definitely have a good foundation, but that quarterback is obviously the biggest key. And with an easy schedule, like I said, play it like the Cowboys did two years ago, run the ball 4,500 times, keep the defense off the field. I could see him see him winning seven eight games. I really can. If, mm-hmm. if everything breaks, if everything breaks right, maybe nine. I I maybe I'm too optimistic. Maybe I really am. But you know, I maybe I get killed for that too. But I really I can see it. I can see it. Year two is Shermer's system. Let's see what happens. I yep. I can't wait. For, I can't wait for it to get here. I'm itching, itching yep. hard. So I'm going to bring up a few things, and we'll do this in a you know we'll we'll kind of do this in a few minutes. This is I I, I always love to say this. This is a this is an ongoing, continuing conversation. But you mentioned a few different things I want to touch on. I want to touch on the front seven versus the secondary. I want to touch on the offensive line, and then we'll touch on Eli. Here's the whole theory that we brought up with the guys from the NYG Underground episode. I keep on bringing up that episode because it was such a great episode. Glenn and Paul from NYG Underground, we touched on so much mm-hmm. that episode. And this is, one of the, this is one of the things that we touched on. I had a tweet this week that was eventually retweeted by Pro Football Focus, and they actually followed me. So shout out Pro Football Focus, New York, New York, New York Giants Pro Football Focus, not Let's the go. Pro Football Focus. But New York Giants Pro Football Focus page followed me so shout out to you if you're listening i i love you that was a huge honor because i was like oh i use pro football focus and pro football focus grades for a lot of crap that i do so right. thank you so much but yeah, i had cool. a tweet i had, you know they i had a tweet that basically said you know dave gettleman might be sneaky where he actually values analytics and he actually looks at value and it's like, oh, you know, you see this guy with the Wii remote and you see these guys who made these snarky remarks and he almost spits in the face of analytics in his press conferences. But you look at the trends of the National Football League where teams like, you know, very two very forward thinking teams like the Patriots and the Chiefs, they are virtually barely putting any kind of significant stock in their pass rush you know the chiefs willing to let justin houston walk patriots traded away chandler jones to the cardinals they let trey flowers walk you know name me name me i mean obviously they they still have probably significant pass rushers that are still very you know highly graded by pro, pro football focus but on the top of your head name me a patriots pass rusher right couldn't tell you yeah the kid the kid they drafted from michigan that's all i know yeah, so, <laughs> that's it. And he hasn't played it down yet. You can name pieces in the secondary from the Chiefs and the Patriots. So a lot, what a lot of basically the whole point of this is what a lot of teams are doing is that they are valuing the secondary in a league that is moving towards getting the ball out of your hands very quickly. They are valuing secondary pieces and basically coverage sacks. The sacks will come if the secondary is good. The sack will the sacks will come, and not even the sacks, because what I feel like this is a league that is going towards valuing QB pressures, QB hits, QB hurries, and not necessarily sacks. You know, the elite, the elite of the elites get sacks. Yeah. But where you where you really want to see a guy perform that isn't a sack artist is you want to see the QB hurries. You want to see the 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 QB hits, and that's where guys like Olivier Vernon shined, where he had a lot of the more advanced analytics, where he would get a lot of QB hurries, QB hits, et cetera, et cetera, but he would never produce on the sacks, but obviously he also couldn't stay healthy. 
but that I kind was of, my I, biggest pet peeve. Yeah, but I kind of rest my case on that. So Dave Gettleman valuing what valuing a what a forward thinking team, the trend that is happening, that's a good piece. You mentioned gelling for the offensive line. That's obviously a huge concern. I'm concerned about gelling in the secondary just as much as I am concerned about gelling in the offensive line. Right. There's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of communications that are in both areas. There are equally a lot of new pieces that are in both areas as well. So mm-hmm. this is, so basically we're looking at, if you get off to another slow start, good night, we will it's, see Daniel Jones a lot sooner than we think. So right, that's, exactly. that's kind of like, that's kind of like my, my thing. This is gelling of the offensive line, gelling of the secondary. There's a lot of optimism everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. And all of that is basically how they gel is basically going to determine how long we see Eli Manning. And that's kind of like my thoughts. Yeah, I, you know, I couldn't agree more. And it's, it's funny because I want to see Daniel Jones right away. Like literally week one, I do. Obviously, I, I mean, it's still crazy to say. And actually, it's not crazy to say. Eli definitely gives them a better chance to win, I think. And I want to win. As a fan, I want to win. So until, until the losses start piling up, you know, ride it until it dies. But the secondary point's a really good, really good point because I, I remember the Brandon Merriweather safety days and the Curtis Riley's and how much communication breakdown, like coverage breakdowns that this team has had over the last five, six years. And it's just nauseating. Mm-hmm. It happened like, it happened like once, once, twice a, a game. That's just, that's inept. That cannot happen. Yeah. So, so jailing in the secondary is massive, and I I couldn't agree more with that. Hopefully, hopefully they do quicker, you know, quicker rather than later. But I'm I'm confident they can, and I agree with with Dave Gettleman. It's nice to see some some forward thinking for once, as opposed to the nonsense that he's been spewing out of his mouth for two years. I'm gonna say something, and David is gonna hate it because David says every single episode I eventually work in how much I disagree with the 2018 pick, but. It's nice to see that he's doing some forward-thinking decision-making, mm-hmm. unlike taking a running back with the second pick in the 2018 draft. Okay, so we're gonna. All right, so, all right, so we're gonna move to uh, fantasy so, so football. Throwing that in there, I love it. <laughs> he's gonna get so pissed. Uh, so we're gonna move to fantasy football. Um, Let's do it. I am a first-time commissioner. We are doing a, a bleeding blue fantasy football league with um, ten, including me. There's ten of us. So basically, I want to hear from you. All these years of fantasy football experience, from your and your experience from the formation of the league to the draft day during the season to the playoffs, what are the do's and don'ts for commissioners and basically maybe just do's and don'ts for fantasy players in general? What are, what are some things that grind, that grind your gears? Well, for one, commissioners who are, who are lazy and unorganized right off the rip. I, I've been in leagues like that where they just don't really care. Um, they don't put engagement like they don't put an emphasis on engagement and that this is a do for both fantasy players and commissioners keep yourselves engaged man it's fun you're playing with your friends you want to talk shit you want to make punishments which we'll we'll get to i know Mm -hmm. it's just you want to do all these all these things that make you feel like every every football fan's dream is to like run a football team you know like be a general manager of a team we've done it in madden We've gravitated more now towards fantasy. We're like, these are my players. I want them to go succeed. I want to pick the best ones. Um, in certain leagues, you could trade draft picks. It's just like, that's, that's how it's going, and that's, that's how we feel. So, so keep it engaged. 
do not be unorganized and lazy because if you are, it's just going to, it's just going to be bad. If you just do like, you know, you're not voting, you're not asking questions, you're not asking for opinions of your league mates, you're not getting their thoughts, what they want. It's just, it's not a good look and it's never going to work because that loses everybody. And then there goes the engagement. So it's all like, to me, it's all like a ladder effect. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If you're organized, you're not lazy, then the engagement's there and the league is more fun. So right. just, I mean, really just basic, simple stuff as just starting a group chat, um, creating polls on or for votes, or if you can't all get together in one sitting, just create polls. And here's my idea. Super flex. Yes or no. Yes or no. Just gets everybody involved. If nobody voted, then you reach out to them. It's just it's being on top of everybody, being on top of all, all league rules and settings and stuff like that. So it's just, don't be lazy, be organized, keep everybody engaged. You're set. All right. So you mentioned two things. You mentioned punishments and you mentioned superflex. So those are going to be kind of like my two next questions. Got it. What are the what are the best punishments for last place that your league has done? Or what are some of the most outrageous things I can imagine, you know, with your with your reach on social media and your reach with, you know, on YouTube and everything like that, you've heard from a lot of people, you've heard from a lot of different leagues about some crazy punishments. So maybe personally, what are some of the best punishments that you've done in your league for how long that you've been doing it? And it's some of the most outrageous stuff that you've seen or heard of from other leagues. Yeah. So in our league, we vote, everybody like throws in a few topics or a few, um, I'm sorry, a few punishments and then we'll all vote on that. Um, the let we've only, this is going to be our fifth year doing it. The first year it was, it was simple. We had, we had our buddies stand out in the middle of February, no shirt on bathing suit, held up a sign that said, I suck at fantasy football last place. Um, it, it was funny, but after that we moved on and last place had to do stand up comedy at a comedy club in New York city. Oh my God. <laughs> All the jokes were written by everybody in the league who did not come in last. <laughs> so you could imagine how awful and corny they were. Mm-hmm. This guy, he was literally like beat red. And there's, there's nine of us sitting there just cracking up. Everybody in there is like, who are these people? Because it was like a pretty serious like comedy club. Everybody Wait, hold on. Let me, let, me give you, let me give you a scenario. I'm going to my first comedy show. This Joe Schmo who finished last place in his fantasy league walks up to the stage. You have nine people laughing their fucking ass off. And then the rest of the comedy club is silent. You're like, does this, how fucked up is this comedy club that they, that they make these nine people in the audience part of the show. And this one guy who isn't funny on the stage. It- <laughs> I, I, I know, I know. I, I, I like, it's, it's funny. Cause I almost felt bad, but yeah. at the same time I did because I'm never going to see those people for the rest of my life. <laughs> and in the moment, this is like really all I care about is my buddy, the guy in last place, embarrassing the shit out of himself. Mm-hmm. So I can understand where you're coming from. They're going to be like, what the fuck is, what is no, going no, on? I th- no, I think that thought is hilarious. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I- no, 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 I know, I know. It's it's amazing. <laughs> like I never even, when, when you're there and it's happening like mm-hmm. with your league, I'm not even thinking that. But now that I've taken a step back two years later and I think that, it's hysterical. It absolutely is. It's so great. And so the comedy club, that one was my absolute favorite. Last year we did, this is actually pretty funny too. We called up a a local bar and we said, we need to do a a last place punishment. Can you help us out for two hours? They're like, yeah, we need. So the guy who came in last place was the bathroom attendant at a raggedy shithole local bar, giving out mints and gum and washing people's hands. It was some of the funniest stuff ever because... That place never had a bathroom attendant. It's a shithole. 
<laughs> like he, an absolute he probably dog. he probably made a shit ton of money though. He did, but <laughs> but part of the punishment was has to go back to the bar. So <laughs> all of all of it for nothing. He's like, "Are you kidding me? I'm going to do that? Look like an asshole? Like, yeah, bro, don't come in last." So that's what we had going. And this summer is our new one. We haven't done it yet, but it's a uh, not my favorite. Don't love it. It's gonna be. They have to run a 5K marathon. They have to run it, and you can jog it in a costume of our choice. So it's it's good. It's funny, but it's not. I, I think the other two were, were were even better. But we'll we'll see how this one goes. Um, you asked about some some crazy ones that I've heard about. Uh, this one's been floating around for a long time. Actually, I, Matthew Barry might have said it, and it's always been my favorite. Having to go back on a Saturday morning and taking the essay. I think that is just like a gold mine. Mm-hmm. At 26 years old, do I want to go to my local high school and sit there for four hours taking SAT? And the best part is you have to keep doing it until you get like a certain score. So <laughs> I, I, I just, I think, I think that's absolutely brilliant. Um, there was one send it to us that we, we actually thought about doing an Instagram one minute yoga routine for one whole month every day. So 30 yoga routines on Instagram pretty outrageous i don't think i could ever do it and then um one of my favorites too is going to a WNBA game with no phone sitting there the full game <laughs> having to be there and watching it no disrespect to the women's basketball yeah love you guys it's all it's all great but you know regular fantasy football players probably aren't too interested in the WNBA. and sitting there with no phone whew, whew. and you would and you have to go alone you have to go alone. Oh, so you and look like a serial see, killer. Exactly. Exactly. You're just sitting there. No phone. Nothing. I mean, like, what are you going to do? Like, I you bring should, a book. You should, yeah, uh, that's fine. You should be, uh, you should be uh, obligated to wear a grout fit, too. Go to a grout fit. <laughs> that just adds some more mystique to it. Mm-hmm. I love it. <laughs> but, yeah, those are some of, some of our punishments and some of the ones that I've, I've always, always laughed at. Um, but uh, we have a league meeting soon, so I'm excited to hear what the boys boys come up with for this year. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So as a, I'm a, I'm a relatively new listener to the fade to uh, fade the public. Um, I've learned about the benefits of using a superflex in fantasy leagues. And Nikki, as you have followed me, you know I'm all about value and getting the most value. We talked about it. You know, getting the most value out of the, especially the quarterback position. And the reason why I hound over this is because our favorite football team has not, you know, they've basically, they've kind of ignored it for a few years now. But nevertheless, tell us about the benefits of the Superflex and how it values the most important position in sports as opposed to standard leagues with kind of like the standard format that basically kind of takes away the value of really good quarterbacks in our game. Right, exactly. So in like a standard league, like you're saying, it takes the value away because you're probably not drafting one to like the eighth round or something. And mm-hmm. if you are drafting a quarterback in a standard league before seventh, eighth round, you're probably not going to win your league, just a heads up. But Superflex, it absolutely puts a huge emphasis on the quarterback position. Because, all right, so Superflex, if whoever doesn't know, Superflex, you have your flex positions and then you have a Superflex. So you can either use a running back, wide receiver, a tight end, or a quarterback. Now, most flex guys aren't true number one starters. So you might be starting, say, I know maybe he's the number one now, but a Sterling Shepard in a flex position, you're hoping for eight to ten points. You're you're going to get clunkers at four points. You don't have those top end guys in your flex spots. With a quarterback, you know, with the top end guys, the middle tier, even the middle tier guys, and some of the lower tier guys, you're getting at least at least 
15 to 20 points at least. So in a situation where you want the 25 to 30 guys and in a passing league, a lot of these quarterbacks are getting that now. You may see a Patrick Mahomes go in the first round and Andrew Luck in the first round, Aaron Rodgers first round, first, second round. Once they start coming off the board, then everybody starts panicking. They have to get your quarterbacks because if you're going to wait on a quarterback in a super flex, you're going to be starting a Ryan Fitzpatrick and a, and a Russell Wilson who really isn't maybe the best fantasy quarterback nowadays because they're a more run-oriented team or a Phillip Rivers who's not going to get you much on the ground. It's very, very – it's threading a very tight needle if you're going to avoid taking two quarterbacks early on. So your you're, guys are dropping. You're going to have a, I don't know, a top-end running back drop to the third round because quarterbacks are going to go early, right. which, is, which is crazy. So you're, you're banking on getting good production from two elite quarterbacks taking away from elite running back or wide receiver. But you got two of them, which is huge. So it definitely puts an emphasis and a big value on drafting quarterbacks early and, and often, really, in, in Superflex because you may have two, but those guys have bye weeks. So mm-hmm. you may want to add a solid third or a fourth. And if you're doing that, it throws in a different dynamic, too, because you're taking quarterbacks away from others. And in that case, you can maybe trade one of those guys for high-end running back or high-end wide receiver because they're so desperate. Right. So it's definitely a huge twist, and I, I really recommend it. So I hope you, hope you have fun with it because it's, it's very enjoyable. So I recommended that in the Bleeding Blue group chat that we have on Instagram. And a lot of, you know, some, what, some of the questions that were brought up is, so why not just do a two-quarterback league? So why, so why Superflex? If, it basically, if, that, if, it's, if that Superflex is basically for another quarterback, why not just have a two-quarterback league? You could. I mean, you really could. But um, it gives you that super flex, super flex kind of gives you the option. Uh, if you do wind up with, say, if you play two wide receivers, two running backs, two flex and a super flex, say you have a um, say you draft really well and really deep and you have, I don't know, off the rip, you somehow get uh, a Devonte Adams a Michael Thomas and a Mike Evans, your first three picks. You ignore the quarterback, whatever the case is. And then you get some high end players later on. If you don't have that quarterback, you could you could you're coming with somebody in your super flex. Granted, it's really really not that crazy of a difference. So I understand it, but I think super flex just adds. First of all, it's cooler to say. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it gives <laughs> it, it gives you it gives you an extra option if you have if you drafted really well and you have depth and you picked up guys off the waiver wire that you just want to play. It gives you a third spot to play them. And that's really, really where that comes in. And also, what I would think it's more beneficial for buys, and God forbid you have an injury, right? There are sometimes, you know, if let's just say Superflex, so two quarterbacks on each team, that's at least, at, first of all, at least two quarterbacks on each start. team. Right, yes. So that's 20. There are some times where if I have a 22nd, 23rd ranked quarterback, I may sometimes prefer to start, uh, especially if I'm in a PPR league, a high-end running back, or a high, you know, a, a low end, you know, golden Tate type of PPR right. machine receiver rather than starting, um, you know, God forbid Derek Carr, you know, Car- yeah. <laughs> a, a guy, a guy who's like that, who, who you're not confident in scoring many points at all. Exactly. Right. And that's, that's the point. Buys are huge. You're right. Because right. if you have one of your QBs on buy, plug somebody in right there. That's, you don't, you're not demanded to start. Like you said, like a, like a Derek Carr who you just don't want to start. So right. That's definitely an extra perk for the for the superflex. So, I always gravitate 
towards that over just a regular flat bottom down to the gritty two QBs. Right. I want to ask you about how you prepare for a league. Um, Cause this is, this is something, you know, I've been doing fantasy since what, like my sophomore junior year of high school. So what I do is when August comes rolling around, I load up on my magazines, I get my ESPN app going, I get my pad and pen going and I'm going to work and I'm just looking at guys bios. I'm looking at their stats from the previous season um, but it's it's basically kind of like a free for all where I'm just like, oh, this this guy kind of looks good. This stat looks good. This stat looks good. You know, this guy got a lot of targets. So I want to I want to ask you how you prepare every year. What stats are you looking at? Maybe if you want to break it up, you know, maybe not even if you don't want to go through every position. But, you know, what stats yeah. are you looking at? Maybe what some are some advanced stats that you're looking at? Um, and if you do want to break it down by position, that would be up to you as well. Absolutely. So a lot of them are kind of interchangeable, like with receivers and tight ends. You got to preface by saying I, you got to know your league scoring and settings, like mm. what kind of league you're in, what your settings are. So if you're in a half point PPR or a full point PPR, you're not going to like a running back like Derrick Henry because he's giving you nothing in the passing game, mm-hmm. literally, or like a Sonny Michelle, who people like Sonny Michelle. He played well last year when he was healthy, when he's on the field, but he gave you nothing in the receiving game. So do you count on him being your running back too after the top guy you take? So I'm always looking at what league I'm in, what the scoring is. And if it's half point PPR, PPR, I'm looking at how many targets they get. Not necessarily just the how many passes they catch, how many receptions, but how many targets they get. Because if they're getting the targets, that means the volume's there. And when the volume's there, the better chance they are to get in those receptions and those half point or full point for the reception. So right off the right off the bat, I'm looking at at that for my tight ends, my running backs, and my receivers. My quarterbacks, some some teams play, some leagues play four point passing touchdowns. Some play six. Mm. Some leagues have bonuses for 300 yards for 400 yards. So like I said, for quarterbacks, you kind of need to know the the scoring, but really it, it's about it's about touchdowns and and, and yardage. So it's kind of simple in that regard. For the skill guys, target shares, like on their team, what's their percentage of target shares? How many targets are they getting? It's all it's all interchangeable. Those are the, the bread and butter stats I'm always looking at. Um, yards per carry with running backs. I like to I like to learn about their their ratio on breaking tackles. Do they break tackles? Because if that's if they're breaking tackles, that means they're more primed to get more yards. Or if they're at the five yard line getting the ball, they're more primed to break a tackle mm-hmm. and get into the end zone. Stuff like that. Red zone shares. How many targets are they getting in the red zone? There's plenty of players out there, like a Julio Jones gets no targets in the red zone. That's why he never scores. They're just not throwing the ball in the red zone. So I'm not going to gravitate towards him, or I might be skeptical towards, I mean, I shouldn't say Julio Jones. You know what I mean. I will Mm -hmm. never be upset with Julio Jones on my fantasy team. But a guy like a Corey Davis, who later round player doesn't get any red zone receptions. Not much upside there. He's in a shitty quarterback situation. So he's probably off my list when I'm making my rankings. Like guys, I, I want to try and avoid. Right. So I mean, those are those are pretty much my basic stats. Where I go to, what I lean on when I when I start my prep in in the summer, and um, just other other preparation wise. When you when you get your draft order, I suggest as a commissioner, I'm sure you know, maybe you guys pick the draft order like a month in advance or so, because kind of gives some guys and, and make it a fun way too. That's another thing that we we can talk about like different ways. I'm sorry, I'm kind of going off cue here, but it just rang in my head on how mm-hmm. to get draft orders. We all took a, a golfer in one of the PGA tournaments, and whoever finished highest got to pick where they want to mm. want to pick. So you know your spot. 
and your mock drafting. Mock drafts are huge. You can go through mock drafts, do first five rounds, whatever you want. Give yourself an idea when you go into draft night what you're going to do. Give yourself four or five. I, I usually walk into my draft nights for like 10 different mock drafts, just knowing which scenarios that, I, that can play out for me. And right. I got tar- targeted guys. That's, that's pretty much where I lean towards that in preparation-wise. So I'm going to jump the gun a little bit here where I'm going to ask you about a specific player. You were talking, you were kind of talking about efficiency, right? And yards per carry is a stat that you kind of brought up. And one of the things that I argue about, Bokro, who you heard last episode, he's a big Cowboy fan. And I've gone back and forth with him personally, not on the podcast. I kind of wish I I kind of got at him last week. But Pro Pro Football Focus hates Ezekiel Elliott. At least they did last year where they had him graded as the 30th highest running back in the National Football League. And part of that reason was that, you know, probably even though he looked really good fantasy-wise, efficiency-wise, he was terrible. He, he was. was he was not, you know, he was relevant because of the volume, not because of the effectiveness and the efficiency. So as a fantasy owner where he's projected, you know, you can argue him, Zeke, and because of Todd Gurley, and because Antonio Brown is in a new situation because of Todd Gurley's injuries, you can argue that those two guys are basically the you know clear-cut number one, number two picks you know right. in 2019 drafts. Do these efficiency issues concern you as a fantasy owner when looking at Ezekiel Elliott and guys like Ezekiel Elliott who are relevant because of the volume? Zeke is probably a different case. I know exactly what you're saying. With Zeke, I'm not I, – I hate him for Giants fans' purposes. But fantasy-wise, he has been a stud. Now, it can, it should play in the back of your head because you should be informed on those efficiency ratings because there may be there may be clunker games in there, and that's where those efficiency ratings will absolutely say. And if you're drafting Zeke number one, you better not. You don't want no clunker games. Your number one overall pick should be a stud every game. That's what you're banking on. So I wouldn't I wouldn't say it it worries me, but it is definitely something that I would put in the back of my head. And a guy who's 20 times more efficient in Saquon Barkley would be my clear-cut number one guy. Because right, right. I know every week he's going to be efficient and he's going to give me that stud performance every week. So I know what you're saying, but in the back of my head, not necessarily too worried about it. So there's no doubt for you. Saquon's number one pick this year, clear-cut. No doubt clear-cut. I don't see another way where he doesn't finish as the best fantasy player in football this year. I just don't see it. Now, a unless thing he gets that I'm, hurt. Right. Um, right. Um, uh, unless, you know, health. Yeah. I always knock on my head. Um, <laughs> a thing. Now, this is, again, this may not even impact fantasy football numbers, but just the thing that I'm concerned about Saquon, and I've talked about this on my off. Am I, I'm rewatching every single 2018 offensive snap. And something that I'm concerned with, with the departure of Odell Beckham Jr., there is no longer going to be two to three eyes on the defense constantly looking at Odell Beckham Jr. Because let's face it, when he was on the team, no matter if he was healthy, no matter if he wasn't healthy, no matter if he was knocking down kicking nets, there was always two to three eyes on the defense in the secondary that were on him, and they were focused on him solely every single snap. That is now gone. And there, and I've broken down, and I'm not saying that the Giants are going to suck. You know, don't. Don't twist my words. There are benefits to having Golden Tate. There are benefits to the great receiving group that I think that we have right now. Maybe great, good, <laughs> good receiving, solid, good, good, solid, solid to good. I, I yeah. like the receiving core. I do. 
I, and I, and I love it as well because it fits. I think this year it fits more of what Pat Shermer wants to do, but exactly. nevertheless, how that is going to, how the departure of Beckham is going to impact Saquon is that we are going to now see more seven to eight man boxes, guys, you know, defenders that are in the box at the line of scrimmage. And that's, I'm sorry. I don't care if you got, uh, the, the doubt 1990s Dallas Cowboys offensive lineup there. When you're stacking the box with eight guys, that's tough for any running back to maneuver around. But luckily for Saquon there, you know, he's still going to get those dump offs. So even if the dump offs go for two yards and a PPR, uh, especially one point PPR leagues, that's a point. Point <laughs> so, right there. Yep. And so you're probably going to get that, 10 of them in the game. Right. So does that concern you, the fact that the Giants may see, you know, schematically they may see more seven to eight man fronts? Do you think that's going to have such a really big impact on Saquon fantasy wise? I definitely understand the point, and I do concern myself with it a little bit. And the way the media talks about Eli and Daniel Jones, I wouldn't be surprised if defenses put 11 men in the box on Saquon. Um, but Saquon Barkley, he broke the most tackles last year. And I know it's difficult gonna, carrying the ball 25 times a game, running up the middle, wherever the case was. But he broke the most tackles, saw the most targets for a running back, caught the most pass for a, target, uh, for a running back. He's got a much improved offensive line i think the holes will open up and another guy that i know you were going to bring up so i'm going to beat you to it but evan ingram mm-hmm. if evan ingram can open up the middle of the field and can be very productive and eli can find him then i think that they're going to keep eyes on him because he is wildly skilled and if that the middle of the field is more open then i think the safety is going to have to drop back a little bit linebackers are going to be much more focused on ingram so those lanes will will be there for beckham and he will absolutely break them and find them and cut back and go around the offensive line 45 times and do whatever he has to to gain yards. So while I definitely see it as a, as a bit of a concern schematically and coverage and stuff like that, it's by no means anywhere near a deal breaker for me. I don't think it's going to make too much of an impact. I could be dead wrong, but just the overall talent and the improvements on the offensive line and the way this, the way I actually think the the Giants' offense is going to play better, um, it's it's not going to be it's not going to have too much of a ripple effect on me. I if I have the number one pick, I'm going to sit in my chair, I'm going to wait out my two minute timer, say fuck you all, and I'm just going to go take Barkley, mm-hmm. knowing who I already even going to take, but just to piss everybody off because they don't have him and I do. Right. That's how good. That's how highly I think of Barkley this year. Unbiased, right. unbiased Giants fan, <laughs> fantasy football opinion. <laughs> now, a problem I have every single year um, as I prepare for fantasy league, I value too much getting elite running backs on my team. So take last year, for example, we're in a 12-team PPR league, standard one quarterback, and I have Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Derrick Henry as my three main running backs. I eventually, I eventually turned... I eventually flipped Derrick Henry for James Conner and, and Chubb. But these wide receivers I had Damn. were Larry Fitzgerald and Doug Baldwin. So that's where I lost my league. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's where I, I lost my league. I was going to say, how could you lose this? Uh. Yeah. So because the experts every single year, I hear running backs are extremely thin, draft them early, and in PPR leagues, you can get solid wide receivers from the third round on and, you know, towards the middle of the draft as well. Yet every single year, I follow that same approach and the definition of insanity. I do the same thing over and over again. I'm expecting different results. And I wind up with a third place team. I wind up with a third place team in my league because I don't have at least one 
I don't want to say stud wide receiver, but at least, you know, one really good average serviceable wide receiver on my team. One so tell me where I'm going on. wrong in my approach. Right. Tell me where so, I might be going wrong in the approach. So, no, your philosophy isn't wrong because I personally, I'm the same way. I want, I want my stud running backs because it's definitely true. The running back position is thin. You probably have like 10 guys who you could really count on. And then after that, it's really a crapshoot. And then you're scouring the waiver wires for people who are the backups of guys who got hurt. So it's, it's definitely tough, but it's not, it's not a bad philosophy. I do like having that stud wide receiver, um, but it really depends on where you draft and what kind of league you're in. So if you're drafting towards the back end of the first and early second, I think what I found successful the last two years, I had the number nine pick in a 10-man league in this big league. I went Antonio Brown, Melvin Gordon last year, and the year before I went Antonio Brown, and I don't remember who it was, but I had a wide receiver one and a running back one, two studs. I loved it, but I had the luxury of being at the back end where I could take one of one of each. I could have also done what you did and stacked up, and you had Barkley and and C-Mac, which is an otherworldly running back duo. Like mm-hmm. that's that's a winning formula right there. Um, but positional wise, there are a lot more wide receivers than there are running backs, and I think. I think in the later rounds, you could really take advantage of some of the guys in really good offensive systems. Like for Green Bay, you obviously have Devontae Adams, but you have Geronimo Allison. You have, you have um, MSV. I, I call him that. Can never, can never get his full name right. But you have these number two guys. You have these rookie guys who may, people may scoff at because they're rookies. Mm-hmm. So they might not take them right away like a Nikhil Harry. may not take them right away. You could get him later. Who He's going to provide you upside. But you don't know what his floor is, so it's it's kind of a risk. So what I what I like to do in the later rounds is I like to take guys from from what I think are good offensive systems and good quarterbacks. I'm not going to take a Devonte Parker on the Miami Dolphins because I know I'm going to get shit from him. Mm-hmm. But really, in total, it's it's where you're drafting, what guys are left on the board, what league you're in, what's the scoring, and it's it's really a preference too. Like you can't sit there and say, "Wow, I had these guys last year and." My receivers were Fitzgerald and yada, yada. I can't do that this year. I need to take DeAndre Hopkins or Michael Thomas with my first pick no matter what. That's, that's, that shouldn't be the case. It shouldn't be in your head. It's whoever's falling to you, whoever you have ranked, in my opinion, take your guy. Yeah. So while, while philosophy-wise, I know what you're saying, just, just take your guy who you think you're going to get the most production out of. And once you start drafting for need, you're going to start panicking. You're going to start mm. making mistakes. Stay away from it. Just the cookies will fall, Justin. The cookies will fall. And I was sold last year on Doug Baldwin and Larry Fitzgerald. I was sold. Well, listen, they were they're <laughs> veterans and they've been very good for a long time. So I can understand. Yeah. <laughs> don't right, draft so, those guys this year. Well, you can't. You can't no. draft Baldwin, but <laughs> no, yeah, no, don't don't draft Doug Baldwin. That's that would be a terrible decision. <laughs> so so we're running a little bit long, but I like this. Yeah, we, we may. I'm long winded today. It's my first episode with you. I'm sorry. We, we may just have to have another another fantasy football episode in August. I may just have to fit it in. We might have to once once preseason starts. That's when everything starts ramping up. Yeah, so we might we might have to do it. Maybe maybe we'll have maybe we'll have the bleeding because we're gonna do the bleeding blue draft August sixteenth. It's a little early, but I'm going back to school and I kind of want to have it before I go back to school. And we're, what we're planning on doing is we're gonna go. We're going to have a draft party, and then later in the evening, we're going to go to the Giants-Bears preseason game, and we're all just going to have a good time there. That's, that's my awesome. I, That's my idea. 
Um, so hopefully that will hopefully that will carry through with that. But maybe after that, I'll have some more things to say about my. Pre- I'll do more prep because I've basically done zero prep. But what I kind of what I kind of want to do to kind of wrap up and finish off because, like I said, we're gonna we're gonna we may we may have another fantasy episode again. I'd be down for that, especially if the numbers and the if numbers come back good from this episode and if people enjoy it. I've kind of looked at some positional rankings from Matthew Berry in PPR formats. That's that's kind of I just googled ESPN uh, PPR rankings, and there are some interesting players in some interesting places. Um, and I want you to kind of when I when I say this when I say the player and I say the ranking, I kind of want to you know give me your give me your reaction on the spot. So we're going to start off with some quarterbacks. First of all, Deshaun Jackson is uh, Deshaun Jackson. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> that that the dude haunts my dreams. Deshaun Watson is the Jimmy second Wolf. ranked. <laughs> Deshaun Watson is the second ranked fantasy quarterback. Just no, no, no. <laughs> I I love Deshaun Watson. I think he's gonna be a very good fantasy player this year, fantasy quarterback this year. But there's no way in hell I'm putting him over Locke and Rogers. No way. Kyler Murray is the tenth ranked fantasy quarterback, one spot ahead of Drew Brees, who was eleventh. Ballsy. Very ballsy. He's, he's make or break, really. I mean, it's completely new, completely new to the NFL, to the league. So I could see in the beginning of the year him having some success when defenses aren't fully equipped for him. But to bank on him as your quarterback one for the whole year is very risky and very ballsy. Jameis Winston, Dak Prescott, Mitchell Trubisky, and Lamar Jackson are all ahead of Phillip Rivers, who is, eight, who is the 18th ranked fantasy quarterback. Uh, I don't think Phil should be 18, but I could understand why Matthew puts those guys ahead. They have maybe not Jameis so much, but they could move on the ground. So they're going to get you some points via the ground, get you those extra rushing points. Um, Jameis is in a pretty good system this year with Arians, who's going to want to air the ball out. So I can understand that. Phillip Rivers, the Chargers are probably a run-heavy team this year again with Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler. So I could see that. I can understand it. Eli Manning is not even considered a top 30 fantasy quarterback by Matthew Berry. Uh, it's hard to blame him. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's hard to blame him. I could probably, yeah, without Odell, it's, it's going to be tough. It's going to be very tough. 30s, 30s, pretty rough. That's, that's, I thought that insane. was, I thought that was kind of, kind of cold. That, that's very cold. Eli's, I've never seen a football player get more hate for such a nice guy and a, two-time Super Bowl MVP than Eli has this offseason, but that's the way she goes. Any other quarterbacks you kind of want to bring up that are maybe on your radar without showing your hand too much to your competitors? Yeah, um, I'll tell you one guy I'm smitten over. It's uh, Matt Ryan this year. Mm. I think he's going to put up huge numbers. Did you know he's playing in a dome the first 11 weeks of the football season? Really? All 11? All 11. Or Holy it's shit. like 11 out of the first 13. It's insane. Like, I, I, I don't even know how that's possible. Matt Ryan on the road, outside of the dome, and in a dome are two completely different things. I, I, I'm smitten by him. I'm smitten by that offense. I don't trust Devontae Freeman doing anything in that running game. They brought in Dirk Cutter, who loves to throw the ball. They have Julio Jones. Calvin Rindley was a monster last year. I am I'm all over Matt Ryan this year. All over him. All right. Let's move on to running backs. Christian McCaffrey is ranked ahead of Alvin Kamara, number three, number four, running backs respectively. Yep, I, I could see it. Um, Latavius Murray back in, in the backfield with, with Alvin Kamara might eat into some of his work. 
Christian McCaffrey clear-cut guy is going to catch 100 balls again. So I can understand it. Yep. Joe Mixon. I have ethical reasons why I don't know if I would draft him. But Joe Mixon is the eighth-ranked running back. What do you think about taking a running back in fantasy on bad football teams? Yes. Um, so that is it's it's kind of it's kind of tough, really. Um, I'm not drafting anybody from the Dolphins, um, but like a, like a Joe Mixon, like you were bringing up as the eighth eighth running back overall. He's the bell cow, and they they do like to run the ball. He's talented. But I, I'm kind of with you on that. I'm not really a fan of, of bad situations on bad teams. I, I get the whole, well, if he's their best player, he's going to touch the ball so much. Right, but bad teams are probably going to be losing a lot late in the game, and they're going to be trying to throw it. And just, for me, the running backs, it just, just doesn't help them. So I kind of, if I can, I try and steer away. Joe Mixon's also a piece of shit. I agree. I completely agree. He fucked me over two years ago, so. No, because he beats women, too. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I was sticking with the fantasy aspect, but yes, he is a piece of shit for that. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just putting it out there. Bleeding Blue is an ethical podcast. Um, oh, what the I, hell, I don't know. <laughs> what the hell should we make of Todd Gurley with all of his health issues? Stay away. Justin, stay, stay away. away. Yeah, I am so concerned with that. I have no idea what's going on with that knee. Stay away. All right, even though we just talked about uh, running backs on bad football teams, I have been such a... Uh, a geek and a nerd over taking rookie running backs these these past few years because it just seems like teams just love and love and love to feed rookie running backs. It's like a new toy. So Josh Jacobs, drafted 24th this year out of Alabama, is now on the Raiders and is the 10th-ranked fantasy running back ahead of James Conner and Le'Veon Bell, according to Matthew Berry. No. No. First of all, I don't like – I don't really like all three of those running backs at all. Josh Jacobs didn't really he didn't really show me much in in college. He didn't have a full workload, you know what I mean? Like, how do I know that's going to translate to the NFL where guys are bigger, faster, stronger? And he's in an anemic offense. I don't trust that at all. That is that is not a good ranking to me at all. And James Conner's another one of those. Even though I had, even though I, you know, I, I reaped the benefits of him last year, but he had a very significant fall off second hand. Well, the lat, latter end of the season, and I think he's also another one of those guys who is relevant based off of the volume of touches that he gets, not necessarily, again, we talked about efficiency early on. Would you agree with that? You're 100% right. And he actually, you know, his injury later in the year kind of scared me off, even so for this year, because um, that backfield in, in Pittsburgh is not bad. Jalen Sam was a good player. And let me throw you something out here. Juju Smith caught the ball, was down at the two-yard line six times. So that means Connor <laughs> ran the ball in six times. Wow. So you had 13, 13 touchdowns. You take six away. He's very touchdown dependent. And I just, for me, I, I'm just, I'm not a fan this year. I, I can understand why people are. He is the workhorse, but I have my trepidations and I would definitely have him further down on my, on my rankings. Derek Henry. I mean, Derek Henry is such a risky guy in PPR leagues where obviously, you know, that he's not going to get the catches, right? You, you, right. you know it, right? But exactly he's still one of those guys that I'm just so tempted to take. And I unfortunately, you know, cut ties with him in the middle of last season because I'm just like, ah, I have James Connor and I was looking for a wide receiver. So I wasn't able to reap the benefits of the crazy second half ladder end of the season that he had last year, but I'm kind of looking at him again. And even in a PPR, Matthew Berry has him ranked 19th. So what do you, what do you make of that? Uh, I'm actually starting to come around on Derrick Henry. It's crazy because I've been fading him for years. I just don't believe every year they're like, oh, this is the Derrick Henry year. 
This is the Derrick Henry. Well, I, I guess what three years now. This is the Derrick Henry year. This is the Derrick Henry year. But what he did let, like towards the end of last year was always remarkable, and it was fun to watch. Like he was an absolute locomotive. Um, Tennessee has a very good offensive line. Marcus Mariota, I don't like at all. So I don't trust them really trying to air the ball out much. Mike Vrabel, he's kind of that old school guy. Definitely likes running the football. So I could see why you and and people are are really holding out hope for Derrick Henry. I yeah. I probably steer clear of him, but depends on the board. Depends on my running back situation, but I can totally understand the hype. All right now, I I know I basically only brought up a few running backs inside the top twenty there. So uh, any any other running backs that you wanna that you wanna bring up before we move on to wide receivers? Well. Running back position, it's um, I, you were mentioning rookies. I'm a big David Montgomery fan. I mm. think he's going to excel in that Chicago offense. I mean, where else could you want him? It's it's perfect with, with Nagy and everything. So I really like that. And um, but running back for me, I I love Carry On Johnson this year. I think he takes a big step forward. I think that Detroit offense takes probably a bigger step forward too. And with him being the featured back, and he can run, he can catch. He could really do it all. Hopefully, he stays on the field. Um, it's not that it's not that crowded of a backfield like it was in the past. So, expect Carry On to take a big leap. I'm very high on those two. My 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 main man from Nebraska, uh, Amir Abdullah, isn't in Detroit anymore. <laughs> oh my god! Let me tell you something, Justin. When he first came out, I was smitten by him. Mm-hmm. I thought he was the next fantasy god. Yep. He was terrible. Nebraska terrible. Nebraska is my favorite college team, and I watched him and. Yeah, I, I, I fell I fell victim uh, to He him brings too. back some bad memories. <laughs> All right, so let's move on to wide receivers. And I think we're gonna what we're gonna do is we're gonna end on wide receivers. And okay. even though the even though the tight end is such an interesting position to talk about, it's an yeah. evolving position in the league yeah. and it's an evolving position in fantasy. So maybe we'll 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 uh we'll put a we'll put a what do you call it? We'll 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 hold that conversation till hopefully next month we'll get together and we'll talk fantasy too. So Beautiful. basically there would be an argument that if you're not in a super flex league, if you're not in a two quarterback league, blah, 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 blah. If you're in a basic standard league, PPR, with Antonio Brown and Odo Beckham Jr. and maybe even some Gronk lovers, they would they would have an argument where you could take them in the first round. All three of those guys are either retired or on different football teams. So now you know, you're kind of looking at running back, running back, running back, basically through the first round. Who now is the clear cut? number one wide receiver in fantasy? And do you even venture into thinking of possibly taking him in the first round? I actually venture into taking him fifth to sixth overall. And Who? that is De- Devontae Adams. Oh! Yeah. I think, listen, last year, PPR format, he didn't have one game under 12.9 points. Every game, he was a machine. Led down and found touchdowns. He's got... He's got a connection with, in my opinion, the best quarterback in football. I know Patty Mahomes. We have Patty Mahomes fans out there, and I get it. But Devontae Adams is the clear-cut guy. He's a deep threat. He runs the best route. He is an absolute stud. And I really would be okay with taking him fifth, sixth overall. I know it's, it's crazy, and we, I was telling you how much I value that running back one mm-hmm. overall. But Devontae, I have a soft spot for him. He is unbelievable. So basically, I'm I'm looking at, and again, I ha- I have this problem every single year. I look at the wide receiver list and I get scared because mm-hmm. I emphasize running back so much. So I know my first two picks probably are not going to be wide receivers. So I look at that list and I get scared. 
especially after the T.Y. Hiltons and the Amari Coopers of the world, especially in that area. Like I kind of get scared. That tier, right. Right. Gotcha. So I feel like there's such a drop-off with wide receiver, even though I'm told by the experts that there's, that there's not. So who are some diamond in the roughs, especially for, you know, whether you want to maybe break it down by PPR, just standard league. Um, who are some diamonds in the roughs past kind of like the, the T.Y. Hilton and the Amari Coopers of the world, those, those higher-tier wide receivers? Right. So I, I got two that I'm really liking a lot this year. And one of it kind of goes back to my, my point that I was making before about Matt Ryan. But Calvin Ridley in Atlanta, I think he's due for a great year. I mean, he had 10 touchdowns last year. They have that dome effect. They're going to be airing the ball out. I mm-hmm. could see I, maybe not 10 touchdowns, but I could see an increase in targets, which will be an increase in receptions and an increase in yards. So I'm big. I'm very big on Calvin Ridley this year. And Christian Kirk is a wild card. I Colin Murray's going to need that number one guy. And Christian Kirk has a lot of talent, a lot of talent. You can get him later on. And I think he's going to be a stud in that, in that Cliff Kingsbury air raid offense. If him and Kyler Murray click, watch out. I would literally, I would very much look out for, for Christian Kirk as a diamond in the rough down there. All right, Nikki. I think that's going to be it, man. I think that's going to be it. Listen, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I was long-winded. I was just excited to come on with you guys, you know? I was, I was just very excited. Long-winded was, over here. I mean, I, I'm going to edit this, and I have no idea how long this is going to be. <laughs> but that was probably the longest 50 to... 50 minutes to an hour of my life. Cause I yeah. honestly, I feel like, I feel like, you know, we, we talked about, we talked about a lot of stuff. We covered a lot of ground. We yeah. had some laughs and that's the whole goal. have some laughs, get some serious stuff out of the way. That's but also I feel cool. like, I mean, I, I, I take, I take crazy notes and there's so much to talk about in fantasy and it's so great because you can just have, I mean, un- unlike the Giants, right, where there eventually reaches a dead end, where you can, you can only talk so much about Eli, you can only talk so much about the offensive line, you can only talk so much about Saquon and the defense, where it's just like, ugh, you know, yep. stop ragging on shit or stop being too optimistic, and it just bothers you. But fantasy football, the conversation never ends. Right, exactly. You could talk about players all day. There's so many players. You On a fantasy team, you're rostering 20 players sometimes. Like You could talk about all these guys, sleepers, busts best rookies, all these different types of formats you could talk about. It's, it's really, it's an evolving door and I, I love talking about it. I really appreciate you having me on to do so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, uh, like I said, next week, if you're still listening, well, first of all, thank you if you're still listening, but I'm very, I get very sloppy towards the end because I know that if people are still listening, they really care about us and they're going to stay till the end anyway. But I know that, you know, probably most of the people they've clicked off by now, We'll be back next week. Hopefully, David will be back. We're going to give some updates on the podcast in terms of where we're going to be and what we're going to be doing throughout the uh, month of July and the month of August. Uh, Let's just say, I've prefaced this before, you are going to be hearing a lot more of us from Bleeding Blue. So we have an action-packed July and August for Giants training camp. What are some other updates? Um, Cody Latimer retweeted me this week. Elijah Penny retweeted me this week. Uh, Pro Football Focus retweeted me and followed me, which I already mentioned. I have something to say to you real quick. Oh, you have something to say. Okay. Before you finish your housekeeping, your updates. Okay. I saw the video. I saw the video of the Miracle in the Meadowlands and your fucking coverage of it. And it ruined my day. Oh, I'm sorry. ruined my day. I wasn't even alive. I wasn't even alive to see it. Just the fact that it was Herm Edwards and the Eagles and that whole debacle even happening. I just, it made me sick and it made me think about the Sean Jackson and it just it gave me agita and the worst heartburn I've ever had in my life. So I just wanted to bring that up. Go ahead and finish. Very funny. It was a very funny video. Thank you. Go ahead. Thank finish. you. Well, that's, well, that's my goal. I want, I want to make people feel miserable so that when there's good times, we feel really great. 
I appreciate that sentiment. So let's hope there's some good times ahead. Yeah. So those things happened. Cody Latimer and Elijah Penny are now officially friends of the podcast. And we're going to make shirts that, uh, yeah, again, so the, again, I'm, I'm, I'm giving away, the longer I talk, the more, the more things I'm going to give away that I want to talk about next week. Uh, we're going to make shirts as a part of the Big Heads Media Company. And I need to figure out how to design shirts. And I'm going to do that on the fly, just like I've been doing this whole podcasting thing on the fly. <laughs> um, it's been working. We're going we're gonna to make shirts that have something to do with Cody Latimer. Maybe, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not even going to speculate anything. But definitely with Elijah Penny, I'm going to make shirts that say the fullback is underrated. I love that. And he, he liked I the idea. I love that. So, all right. Uh, Nikki, do you have a – first of all, I want to thank you so much for coming on. Listen to Fade the Public. It's absolutely fantastic. They have the same vibe that we're basically going for at Bleeding Blue to just, you know, come on. Talk Giants, talk whatever we're, whatever we're talking about, and make you feel like you're a part of the conversation. They have that same vibe, and that's the vibe that we're going for and that we're working on. They've already perfected it. So thank you for coming on. Do you have any final thoughts as my screen is now completely black? <laughs> well, thank you for those nice words. We, we've been working hard, and we, we, we're glad you enjoy it. Um, but, yeah, I, I just – my final – I want to say thank you. I'm sorry to the listeners if they're still listening that maybe I was a little long-winded in some of my answers, but I, I kind of get geeked up about this stuff. and. That you giving me a platform like that was was very generous, and I've been looking forward to this for a while. So thank you, and I, I really I'd like to do it again sometime soon, maybe late in August, like you said. So we'll go from there. But thank you so much, and thank you to everybody listening. Go Giants! Go Giants! Keep on bleeding blue. We'll see you next week. Peace out. Thanks for listening.